you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Fantasy freaks and geeks, what's cracking? James Go here on the NFL Fantasy Live podcast. We have Matt Harmon, the son of West Virginia, in the podcast studio wow. today. I'm up top. Yeah, well, sure. Well, I, I want to go counterclockwise. Normally, I'm like last in the rotation because I, I, I hijack this part of the show and talk about something else. <laughs> all speaking true. of, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, speaking of, uh, MG, my guy, Marcus Grant, what's cracking? Uh, not much. It's good. A little bit of mourning. It's not the day after morning, but the week of morning, because Alex Gelhar is here in full Packer gear. Oh, well, this is just because I'm fighting a cold right now, okay. and I, one, didn't want to do my hair, and as we've discussed ad nauseum on this podcast, this is the only hat that fits my head, <laughs> and B, I wanted to wear a hoodie to, to keep myself okay. warm and Good. feel comfortable, and this was the top of my hoodie pile, basically. Uh, so, Matt Harmon, I have a question for you. Was Alex Gelhar wrapped in a blanket on the ground after that game? Well, this there's been a, a small bit of controversy and disappointment from uh, some of the fans that I did not live tweet the uh, the full breakdown. The, the meltdown? Because not only was Alex <laughs> Gelhar in the apartment, his oh whole family gosh, was there. I, that's right. And what I was telling Marcus about this yesterday oh when, we were, when we were discussing it is okay. that it became too depressing too fast. I see. Like, <laughs> well, and it was there wasn't even much tilt after right, that. Exactly. Like, like, yeah. So that's the thing. Like after a while, it was you know I tweeted out one picture of him when I think it was seventeen to nothing. Probably when post like, Ripkowski fumble and yeah, yeah when he was like, subsequent yeah, yeah. touchdown. Was, exactly when right. he was sipping a cup of coffee and like staring intently at his phone. But after that, I mean, it just became so non-competitive. It was like it's not even fun. Yeah, we and well, we we, we weren't too. like we weren't like. Ah! After that, it's just like, well, yep, here they go scoring again. And yeah. uh, maybe the Packers can't. Nope. Nope. Maybe they get. Nope. Right. Nope. Right. So and after it, the Ripkowski thing, it just went downhill. A better live tweet of the tilt would have been when we watched the Cowboys game. Because <laughs> that was yes. a, that oh, was I'm a sure roller that was coaster. extreme tilt there. You know what was crazy? It was, I'm not, I don't even really have a, too much of a rooting interest. I mean, I root for Aaron Rodgers because he went to Cal and everything. But, uh, but man, there was screaming in my household. With those back to back to back fifty yard field goals, it was awesome. Yeah, it was wild. Um, yeah, it was. I was. I was even getting into it. We've got a big time show in front of us here today. We're going to talk about playoff challenge. Going to give you who could go crazy statistically, anyways, from a Super Bowl perspective. Uh, again, we're kind of taking a look back season long wide uh, in term in terms of your top scores for twenty sixteen. This week, we're going to take a look back at the running back position. Give you your top ten guys there. Tell you what I don't know. Early projections, I guess, for 2017, whether they fade, whether they progress, whether they stay the same. Um, interesting stats there, too, when you kind of take a look at the running back position. Of course, there's so much volatility uh, at that position group, so this will be a fun conversation, no doubt about it. We're going to close out the show with Daily Daps. Uh, we've got a very interesting segment of news, so let's hit it. The camera highlights in the world of sports. Breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. Whistles go. Woo! I like turtles. We continue to follow breaking news. Watch the news because I'm a kid. So y'all need to hide your kids, hide your wife. Obviously, from a real life perspective, it's a little bit slow. So we have to speculate. That is the fun part of the NFL offseason, is it not? And, of course, that speculation begins, ends in Pittsburgh, where Big Ben is, quote-unquote, mulling retirement. The 34-year-old told the local Pittsburgh radio station that he's going to, quote, consider all options this offseason, adding that health and family would be part of his evaluation and that he would, quote, take some time away to evaluate next season if there's going to be a next season. I know this is not necessarily fantasy related. I mean, we could spin it if we want to, but it's just such interesting news. I wanted to hear from you guys uh, in regards well, to your takes to this. If he were to actually retire, okay. which he will not, then <laughs> yes, it would be fantasy relevant news. Of course. But Big Ben, few people blow injuries and other things out of proportion as much as Big Ben. And I'm sure that, you know, 
he just lost. He's banged up and stuff. The thought has crossed his mind, but he's not actually going to do it. I jokingly said to these guys on Slack, our, our chat client, I was like, wanted to tweet out if Ben Roethlisberger likely did this from like uh, being in a full body cast, did like a Stephen Hawking <laughs> talk to text reveal, oh, or like God. had his lawyer read it from his will you or something. You guys are so cynical regarding now, Big Ben. If I, I can, if I can play devil's advocate. Okay, please. This is... Pretty similar conversation to what we had about Calvin Johnson last year, because because the the, uh, the Steelers would uh, well Pittsburgh would take uh, eighteen million dollars from Ben Roethlisberger. He would have to pay them eighteen million dollars in order to retire. So the first thought with Roethlisberger is like he's not leaving all that money on the table. People said the same thing about Calvin Johnson last year, and he retired. Now different circumstances. Well, different he didn't have to pay the Lions right. anywhere close to, to that. I right. think I still think Ben can fork over the eighteen million and. And probably be okay, but nevertheless, I'm just saying from a monetary perspective, we've seen people walk away from money before. And Ben Roethlisberger, you know, he's well, he's like 35, 36 years old now at this point. 35, 35. 35. I, it would not surprise me if he has a shorter career than like Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, oh, these yeah. guys. Because oh, sure. you know, for one, Tom Brady's supposed to be in like freakish physical health. He has a great nutritionist. Doesn't look like Ben's on the same. Plan. Oh, sorry. Ben ben, t- ben turns thirty five this year. Right. right. He's, He's also currently, but yeah. hurt all the time. It wouldn't I mean it wouldn't the difference I'd say me. the difference between Ben Roethlisberger and Calvin Johnson is that the Steelers are much closer to being a championship team than the Lions ever were right. during during Calvin Johnson's time there. And so you know, I mean look, they were they were in the final four this year and that's without Martavis Bryant um, you know, Le'Veon Bell not being 100% with a defense that, you know, kind of got shredded. Um, but they're not far. You know, if you are if you were Calvin Johnson, you're looking around at the Lions and you're like, we're not going anywhere. And I'm taking a pounding for what? You know, so th- it's true. I, I, feel like, I feel like the circumstances yeah. are very different. I, I will give you the financial take because I always love looking at the finances of it. Uh, you talk about uh, making $18 million next season, which is true. But given his stature in the game and also his position, $18 million for Big Ben is actually not that much. Don't be surprised if he is angling for a reworking of his contract. He's got three years left on his current deal, according to Spotrack. And I would not be shocked at all if he's talking about renegotiating his contract and restructuring it and doing all of those things. Again, yeah, he turns 35 next season. But man, the thing is, leaving money on the table is one thing, but paying back eighteen million out of pocket—it's true. That's a big difference. And yeah, he's comfortable. Well, let's not forget, he's a lot of the money he's made has gone to his agents and other people yeah, and right. taxes. And no, no, that's right. No, no, yada yada yada. There's also the little matter of the Steelers needing to come up with money for Le'Veon Bell. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that All is, right. That they is said not gonna, a small. They thing. said they're going to tag him. Yeah. I, I would be. I would be surprised if they don't tag him. There's injury concerns. His off-field issues. I mean, I don't know. He seems like a prime candidate to tag. They're almost certainly going to tag him. Look, I don't buy that. I'm, I think Ben's playing next year, but I mean, I think he just wants to. Like you kind of said, I think he just wants to be asked back. Like he wants <laughs> wants everybody to come come on back, Ben. We need you. We love you. Yada yada. Because right. let's be clear. Yeah. This team is. Screwed if he without leaves. him. That's true. Oh, I yeah. do believe. Uh, I believe Adam Rank tweeted that Ben Roethlisberger is the guy who hits maybe on the Evite, hoping that oh. everybody just <laughs> that's me continually <laughs> hits him up. He's coming. We literally had this conversation <laughs> yesterday. We were just we were having the conversation about how I hate having plans, and that was that's big, uh, we were doing it before, before the show. I don't, but I don't do it because. Uh, you want I want I don't want people like to actually I want to be left alone, which is why I say maybe to all those Facebook invites because if I say I'm going, that's a lot of pressure, and I really want to have the option to back out last. Why don't you just say no and then show up? Yeah, uh, because that seems too definitive. That's that's rude too. That's what my buddy does. I normally I my normally buddy does that to me all the time. Hey, bro, you want to come over uh, and check out the game, drink a bunch of beers, and, and you know have a barbecue? Nah, I'm good. And then he'll text me 30 minutes before the game. And be like, hey, man, can I still come? I'm like, yeah, bro. 
Yeah, no, I like I like a maybe. You know, I don't want to. I you know if they <laughs> so it kind of leaves the table open okay. for both because I All want because right, I want to go, but I also really want to cancel the plans. Okay. Really, really want to cancel Jesus them. Christ. All right, let's go to uh, L.A. Here, Todd Gurley told the Rich Eisen Show that this year his sophomore campaign was a quote nightmare. He had zero 100-yard rushing games this year. We know about all the horrendous stats and all the advanced metrics. Blah 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 blah. Uh, largely ineffective running back this year. But does he bounce back for next year? I guess I'll throw that out there. He's got Sean McVay coming in uh, his last three years as the offensive coordinator in Washington, D.C. Washington total yards this year, third in the NFL, 17th the year prior, and then 13th the year before that. So that's kind of the history of Sean McVay. But uh, does he add? Does Sean McVay add a boost to Todd Gurley's value? Does Todd Gurley uh, bounce back at all, Marcus Grant? I think he does, and I think he does primarily because – the the Rams coaching staff, if they are smart, which I believe they are, will look at this offense and realize that, at least for now, it begins and ends with Todd Gurley. Their success is really contingent upon Todd Gurley looking like that guy we saw for his first four NFL starts when, when he just went berserk. Um, so I do think they're going to make a concerted effort to try and find different ways to make him uh, effective again. I mean, I, I think it's a little bit like what we saw at the end of the year in Jacksonville when uh, you know they had a coaching change there and they really went out of their way to try and do things with Allen Robinson understanding that that was a key to their offense so I think that I think you're going to see a lot of different looks I think you're going to see a lot of uh, different ways to get the ball in Gurley's hands to get him out in space and make him be effective um and part of it is on obviously on the player himself to kind of change up some of the things he was doing it's not a lack of talent I don't even think it's a lack of effort but I mean they were just I don't know. I think I think he just got demoralized as the year went on. That's kind of what I saw, and so I think it's just kind of getting his confidence back and, and getting ways to to make him be the player we saw coming out of college. You know, I, I watched that interview yesterday, and one thing I thought that was encouraging was that he he never said like he kind of took it on himself a little bit too, and I think that's important because you know obviously the offense was terrible, the offensive line was also bad, the quarterback play we know about all that stuff, but there were certainly times when Gurley could have actually played better himself, and I think like you said, Marcus, that comes from being demoralized, comes from being used to playing in bad environments. You you, you start to to make mistakes on your own. Uh, like there are times certainly he could have done more with some plays that he didn't, and I think it's important that he knows that because you know the one thing that I thought was interesting, it kind of got undersold I remember for some reason I must just really hate myself I was watching the Rams Cardinals week 17 game oh boy uh is because I was at home and that was the only broadcast okay god but uh, there I was, was actually a- in the stadium for that by the way oh you must really really hate yourself <laughs> well, at least you're outside uh, guys <laughs> let's save that but, talk for the self-loathing podcast true <laughs> sorry but anyways my point was there's a moment during the broadcast where they brought up um, that there were some people on the Rams coaching staff that like kind of questioned Todd Gurley's work ethic this year, uh, and I, I think that kind of got undersold probably because nobody but me was watching that game. But like that's an interesting point. And I guess you could see like things came really like he took off, took, hit the ground running last year. Then this year it was just so miserable. They move across the country. He becomes like LA's biggest star right away. Maybe he just kind of took it a little slower this year than he did in his rookie year. I was going to say, <clears throat> I thought that the off season that he had was uh, telling. Right, he did a lot more commercials. He had that move as as was highlighted. Then he had hard knocks. He was doing a lot more appearances, late night talk shows. I'm sure he was doing various promotional things as well. Um, <clears throat> I just wonder if in the off season Todd Gurley got kind of wrapped up in that LA lifestyle. He might have, and I mean he's a pretty reserved person, like. You never really hear him complain. That was a big deal that Rich made on the show yesterday. He's like, you're not a guy that typically talks a lot. It's true. Which was why it was even a big deal that he was on the show. So maybe it was just – it's a huge – I mean, it's a huge life change for somebody in their early 20s. Oh, yeah. And maybe it just took a little bit away from football. But that's that almost would be – if that's the reason, and I don't know if it is. I'm just speculating, like we said – but that would almost be more encouraging because then it's like it's not an individual 100%. talent thing. Yeah. You can refocus. if he's, he's obviously pissed off about how this year went. Yeah. He can come back with a bang in year three. I think it's important to remember, too, that earlier in the year, even though how little he does talk, he made the point that they were running a middle school offense. Right. And so, one, all the pressure was on him. Two, he was getting saddled with carries. Three, in a system he didn't believe in. Like, yeah. no, no wonder he fell off or his work ethic wasn't there. Like, sure. I mean, right. crap, we struggle with that in our own day-to-day lives for some of the stuff we do. <laughs> right. You know, in other places and maybe even around here. 
years. So I I, th- I expect to bounce back uh, next year from Gurley as well. And Sean McVay obviously is going to be a step up in terms of how the offense is going to be run, how they're going to be coached, and all those kind of things. The creativity in the offense is something I'm very curious to see how they look because McVay's been been billed as a as a wonderkin for years. Yeah, but you know, and he was part of that with Jay Gruden in in creating such a diverse scheme. Like I remember when Washington played Minnesota this year. Mike Zimmer, stellar defensive coach, one of the few that has had a consistent success at slowing down Aaron Rodgers. His team got marched, the Redskins marched up and down the field against them, and he said to Gruden after the fact, he said, you're still a pain in the ass to game plan for. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, it's just to me, it's a it's a big unknown because Sean McVay's entire NFL career has been under John Gruden. Uh, excuse me, Jay Gruden. And the Shanahan's, too. And the Shanahan's, to a degree, but uh, mostly Jay. And uh, and he never – and so for a guy like Jay Gruden, who is so hands-on in the offense, I'm just curious to see – I know he was the OC there, but I'm just curious to see uh, what he will bring, what kind of – what brand of football he will bring uh, to L.A., but we'll find out. Hey, man, it's about that time. Mike Mayock is back. This was a shock to see this on the rundown, but take it away, James. But you love it. Come on, you love Are it. Are you really shocked that the king of the 40 times would put this on the rundown? Well, you should have picked well, a faster player then. First of all, <laughs> look, first of all, come on. It's, it's about that time. Mike Mayock comes out of his hyperbaric chamber. He starts writing pieces for NFL.com, starts making appearances on NFL Network. It's that time. It is Mayock season. It is Mayock season. He wrote a piece. You can find it on NFL.com. Uh, it is you can also find him on Twitter now if you didn't know. What? He's not a prolific tweeter. Yeah, he got he got forced that? into it last he had year. A, he got arm twisted. No, but is he Twitter. actually doing it? Yeah, yeah he tweets. Occasionally, yeah. He what? doesn't tweet much, but he yeah. tweets. He tweets. Wow. Peel, peel back the curtain. Funny story here. I remember last year when they were when he was going to be on Twitter, I remember there was like this big Mayock announcement in the air and nobody yeah. really knew what it was. I Actually, believe we got several emails. Yeah, we, like there was yeah, go- yeah. yeah, people were like, hey, big Mayock announcement coming. And I remember walking past a conference room and hearing in on it like, all right, how are we going to break the news that Mayock's on Twitter? I'm like, oh my God, this is the big announcement <laughs> that's coming. Well, it was kind of a, it was kind of a, like a, a season long joke, right? Yeah, well, it's been, he's never wanted to get on Twitter. I, and that's why I was saying, even after he did it, I thought he didn't do anything with it. No, he's, he tweets. I thought it was a dormant. You can, you can tell it's him, tw- believe yeah. You can tell it. <laughs> Tim tweeting. <laughs> All right, perfect. Uh, anyways, uh, Mike Mayock find, f- wrote a piece on NFL.com. You can find it. It is Senior Bowl Day 1 Practice Stars. This is where Mike Mayock lives. Senior Bowl practice, baby. I absolutely love it. Uh, the one offensive player... Uh, that could be a fantasy relevance next year. He talks about a lot of D tackles and offensive linemen, blah, 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 blah. But uh, is this guy Cooper Cup, yes. wide receiver out of Eastern Washington? Um, look, you're lying to yourself. You've seen a lot of Cooper Cup games. But uh, this was Mike Mayock's write up on him. Quote I like this kid. He can play at any level. Don't let the small school fool you. What I saw on tape is what I saw Tuesday. He's fast. He won deep. He won shallow. He beat press coverage. He can win at all three levels, and he gets it. I think he's going to play play very well early in his NFL career. Just some <clears throat> overarching stats here. I know he played for a subdivision team, but how about this, man? 6,000-plus yards, 74 total touchdowns. He averaged 18.5 touchdowns per season. And he apparently, because uh, Marcus and I also peel back the curtain, are having to help um, edit and put into the system all of the profiles from the great Lance Zerline and other writers and stuff. Apparently, he played very well against the top level competition they faced. It wasn't Absolutely. like he just beat up on cupcakes. Right. A couple of Pac-12 teams like, yeah, he played when, well against. Yep, exactly. I think it was Marcus Peters. Yeah, he did. He did work over Marcus Peters, I think. Which is impressive, obviously. But uh, he's 6'2", about 200 pounds, maybe 205. His unofficial 40 time is something in the mid 4'5". So uh, the kid's got some size, at least some height to him. Uh, and obviously he's got a little bit of speed. Mike Mayock loves him. But um, I don't know. Have, have any of you guys actually gotten around to seeing any Cooper Cup tape? I have not started diving I have into not. Tape yet, uh, no, but I, I was watching a little bit of Senior Bowl practice, which yes. has been on our network for the last couple of days. Of and, uh, yeah, he's made some really athletic catches. I've uh, seen a couple of you know, vines. I guess is vines still a thing. Gifts. No, 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 it's gifts. Uh, it's gifts. Twitter, Twitter native videos. Rip. Sure. Twitter whatever. Um, roll off the tongue. Ooh, exactly. <laughs> yeah, right. A couple of a couple of TNVs of Cooper Cup making ridiculous catches. Um, By the way, James, his official weigh-in at the Senior Bowl was six one and a half, hundred ninety-eight pounds. I see. All right. So there you go. But uh, you know, I mean, he certainly looks like he has some ability, and the fact that 
you know, most of the tweets about Senior Bowl practice today involved Cooper Cup in some way, shape, or form. That's interesting. Um, right? He looks like he looks like the early candidate to be one of those fast risers up drive uh, draft boards based on what happens this week in Mobile. I like it. I so like it a lot. I've watched. I've started. I've. I'm mid charting process for all the wide receivers right now. Okay. Uh, I've only gotten to incoming top. rookies. You're saying? Yes. Yes. Okay. I've, I've only gotten to top guys right now, so I'm not to the Cooper <laughs> Cooper, <laughs> Cooper Cups of this world. But there are. I mean. <laughs> This year, I I do feel like there's a little bit of a dearth at uh, at like the offensive skill position at the Senior Bowl. It's a good tight end year, though. It's a good tight OJ, end year. OJ Howard I think is it's down a good at the tight Senior end Bowl. Year. It's a great running back year. Well, yeah, yeah, but I mean, at He's the saying senior at the Senior Bowl. Bowl. I mean, oh, at the Senior oh, Bowl. Oh, 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 god! Like last OJ, year, we had Dak and Carson Wentz, and uh, and Dak was didn't even he, from all reports was not great at the Senior yeah, Bowl. Yeah, um, you know, so who future Hall of Famer Kenneth Dixon was there, <laughs> <laughs> among other Jesus. guys. <laughs> um, yeah, but like, th- so there's some interesting guys. I think Taewon Taylor's a receiver. I've I've seen a little bit of that. Okay. Uh, my my buddy Seth Cox told me he's a big fan of. I I like what I see out of him too. Uh, Corey Davis was a wide receiver that's supposed to be at the Senior Bowl, but didn't go because he's a top prospect. Yeah. He's DJ's number one receiver in the class. I've, I'm about halfway done with his reception perception you right like now. Him? He's really good. Okay. He kind of gives me like a bit of a Sammy Watkins vibe, but isn't hurt. So <laughs> <that's nice. laughs> um, I think that's a really – I was talking about that. I was tweeting about that last night with a bunch of people, and that seems to be the comparison – that, that re- resonates well with me, although when I tweeted, I got a range of responses. But O.J. Howard does seem to be the tight end from Alabama, seems to be the, the premier prospect offensively down there. That dude can make some plays. Uh, please let me know when you go watch Chad Hansen. Oh, he's the is he the he's the kid yeah, out of Cal? Yeah, of course, but he is. man, well, obviously, but man, I love him. But I, I would love to know what the uh, the wide receiver evaluator thinks about Chad Hansen. There's a I think there's a I think there's a guy that. I'm going to end up higher on than everybody else, kind of like with Sterling Shepard last year, but I'm not ready to say that for sure yet. I like it. Ooh. What a tease. What? Maybe tuned, next folks. Week. Maybe next <laughs> week. Or maybe I'll have to report from the wilderness. Oh, no. Well, is next week your last week? Yeah, next next week's begin, or week after begins Harmon's voyage into the wilderness. Okay. But a lot of surprises I a lot of surprises are going to come out of the wilderness period. He's got two, you had two weeks left. Two weeks? Right? Yeah, Two yeah. podcasts? Week after next. Two podcasts. So, I don't know. Okay. All right. We'll figure it out. <laughs> Whatever. Well, we'll at figure. some point here, you're going to join franchise and, and wear jean jackets in the desert and, and start campfires and stuff, right? We got some exciting stuff to report, but we'll, we'll, that's another tease. Okay. Good. I like more te- just this whole. This is the tease episode. I like it. <laughs> you reasons. know what? It, you, you know what isn't a tease though. What? You're gonna say it, is you can watch the Senior Bowl on NFL ah, Network on uh, Saturday, Saturday. Ju- June twenty eighth, per the rundown Holy from James. Cow. I did Do write not this. tune in to watch the Senior Bowl on June 28th. <laughs> you will be by very way, disappointed. By the way, I, I did write this at 1.30 in the morning. Hey, that's all right. Okay. January 28th. <laughs> Why did I do June Was that after you got back from making millions and millions <laughs> oh of dollars as a basketball commentator? <laughs> got it in. <laughs> Marcus, don't leave him hanging. It's going to be really awkward. <laughs> it's a good It's a good thing oh, today. Geez. Like James is not dressed down in his button-up. First of all, <sighs> he's got his watch on, but, yes? but twist behind the watch is he's got this – this bracelet here that kind of makes him appeal to the common man. Oh, well, I see it now. I see you. See, I see exactly what you're trying to do there. You've got your. You've got your three thousand dollar watch on. Oh my god! But right behind that, you've got this little bracelet that looks that uh, looks like it was made cheaply, but I bet you it costs something weird, like fifty bucks or something. I don't uh, think it was. I think it was like ten bucks off the street in Venice. Anyways, how about Senior Bowl Saturday? NFL Network, January 28th, 2.30 p.m. Be there. 2.30 p.m. Eastern on NFL Network. 11.30 for those on the best coast. (laughs) All right, let's talk about playoff challenge. Alex Gelhar, we turn to you. Who could ball statistically in Super Bowl Lee? Uh, Well, I think uh, in in (laughs) Super Super Bowl Bowl Lee. Lee. (laughs) I like it. Uh, is that Jet Li's cousin? It is. <laughs> uh, I think an interesting one to watch uh, matchup wise, or if you lost out on like Le'Veon Bell, or you were like rank and had hitched your wagon to Ty Montgomery. Oops. But the Falcons running backs, I think, are really interesting in this matchup. I saw, I think, Evan uh, Lazar or Laser. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Sorry, Evan. Uh, one of our researchers downstairs was tweeting about how the Patriots have been exposed by pass catching running backs, and both Tevin Coleman and Devonta Freeman are very good at that. I mean, Julio Jones probably going to ball. Tight end. How is- do you think so? The Patriots have done such a good job eliminating top receivers. Yeah, but I, this I, is this is Julio Jones we're talking about. <laughs> but I'll say uh, the one thing that concerns me though, right, is like you know for sure, uh, almost for sure, they're going to use bracket coverage to guard 
to, to cover Julio Jones. And Matt Ryan has shown proclivity to not force-feed him the ball. So I, I actually wonder if Julio Jones will, will get off statistically anyway. He's still, he's still a good choice. They're actually throwing him the ball in the red zone these days, as we saw against the Packers. And, again, he's, he's Julio Jones. He stole the soul of two oh Packers cornerbacks on that touchdown. One Oof. of the greatest run-after-catches I've ever seen. He just, like, smacked that one cornerback. It's <laughs> like, no, I felt please. bad. Uh, and I think both quarterbacks are good. Tight end is kind of a wash, so you have to go with Martellus Bennett because – the tight the Falcons kind of implore like uh, a tight end by committee, I right. guess, for lack of a better term. No, that's true. Um, but I don't know what about what about you guys, Harmon? You picked Malcolm Mitchell as a little contrarian play in your lineup. Well, I mean, I wasn't going to pick Julian Edelman just for reasons. For uh, reasons. <laughs> I mean, Chris Hogan. I mean, I don't know. I just I think that right now. So what piece I'm going to be writing next week is like who could be the uh, the surprising you know hero of the Super Bowl. Yeah. And so that was kind of the way I wanted to go. I have obviously I have not written it. I have not begun researching for it yet. I'm going to do it with next gen stats, but like, I just I think Mitchell could be kind of an X factor. You know, I don't I don't really have a good reason for it, but okay. I'm I'm looking for that that hero random hero of the Super Bowl, and I why think not? That he, it could be him. I mean, I'm was, more I'm more interested in the what's up with Julian. Did he did Julian Edelman like make fun of Charlie? Did, what, did he block? No, did just, he block you on Twitter too? No, that was just Cordero Patterson. Oh my God! What is the story behind this? I don't know what the story is behind. It's it's almost. I mean, it was a little jarring to me because like I'm a big CP fan. I I I are you though? Well, this is the CP thing. was the first reception perception. Second, second, but oh, first sorry. like the big like. This is a new like the first one was about Jordy Nelson. Then I was like Cordero Patterson, and like yeah, it ended up being obvious. Well, see, the data ended up being correct. My interpretation of it ended up being incredibly wrong. Yes, but I so I've always loved CP, and I even tweeted a couple times this year about like man, seeing them actually get him touches like warmed my cold dark heart or okay. whatever. Because I went back and like looked at old tweets. I'm like, man, did I ever like rip on him or anything? But I'm yeah. like, nope, I'm blocked. Oh, so okay. <laughs> whatever. But it was just it was funny. I I decided normally I wouldn't acknowledge something like that, yeah. but because uh, I'm team leave players alone but uh I, it was just so funny because it's just a nice little underline on the weird little storyline of of my little career here <laughs> starts with getting wrong about cp yep comes and then full circle to be blocked he's uh, blocked by cordero pad but anyways it, you guys can still play playoff challenge if you want to challenge some friends or family do a little super bowl fantasy nfl.com slash playoff challenge you will likely not win the trip to uh, <laughs> super bowl 51 because everybody else has bonus multipliers but yeah, hey no but you could put some gummy bears on the line you put some gummy bears you know, yep. maybe uh, you know, get some uh, some Doritos in there or something. Sure. Oh, now we're absolutely. Talking. Why not? Up the ante a little bit. I like it. Mm. I like it a lot. Let's take a look back at 2016 here. Talk about your top scores at the running back position. Of course, David Johnson, your RB one. Uh, 1239 on the ground, 879 through the air. I don't even want to do the math. That's like 2,100 yards. Uh, 16 touchdowns, rushing, four receiving touchdowns. Pro Football Focus is number one receiver, right, Matt? Oh, my God. <laughs> Give me a break. What? Yeah, he was the number one. He's res- PFF's number one Number receiver. one receiver for 2016. I, I respect a lot of what goes on at PFF. Oh I got a lot of buddies that write over there. They do a really they good do, stuff. They do a great that job. That funny. But – if there was ever a reason for me not to take your grade seriously, oh, it's boy. that you put David Johnson as the number one receiver. Because if you're going to tell me that that his grade as a receiver as a running back means more than whoever the hell your top receiver is, that's ridiculous. That's it's not good. Whatever. That's uh, you that's do not you. Good. you I just, do. I just, but you know what? I had to slide that little joke in there. We're talking about it, so they win. <laughs> True. True. Uh, he was the only running back over 300 points. Smashed 327 fantasy points in standard scoring leagues. Did play. 16 games technically, uh, although got hurt in week 17. 4.2 yards per carry, 293 total carries, third most in the NFL, and 80, 80 receptions. All right, boys, does he do it again? No. Probably no. not. Probably not. Probably not. Uh, I mean, this this was a historic season. This was a special kind of year. All right, all right. Let me, let me back it up then. So not 2,120 touchdowns. Okay, fine. But I'm saying, does he end up as your RB1? I say no just because the the list of guys in recent memory who have repeated as number one running backs is really short, and there are so many things that that have to kind of break your way for that to happen. Um, I still think he's, you know, a top three running back, but I think number one's tough. I mean, who really cares between breaking between <laughs> those top three? I mean, if they, this, if you really have, I I question the 
validity of even having like a, a strong opinion or discussion on breaking ties between those three. You okay. know what I mean? I you just, mean David Johnson, Zeke, yes. and Lev Bell? I mean, I assume that that would be everybody's top three okay. running backs going into next year. Whatever. So, like, basically, you know, people ask all summer, like, who's the number one pick? Pick whoever the hell you want out of those. Okay. Three. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like you, you're likely not going to be disappointed. Pending, can I, can I give one hot-ish take? Catastrophe. Oh. That, of course I, you I'm, can. I'm really, really worried about David Johnson going into next year. He was approaching, what, almost 400 touches. And what we've seen from running back, so what did he have? Uh, 200 and, uh, 275 uh, basic touches in the NFL. Or 375, I'm sorry. Um, what we've seen in the NFL, and this goes back, I mean, decades. We've got a lot of data. Once they start approaching 375 in terms of total touches, you start seeing a massive decline. And we're talking, I mean, huge decline. So I'm, I'm worried. I know that he's young, so I don't know. We haven't really seen running backs his age get this many touches, but I'm just worried. Zeke I, wasn't far behind him, though. Mm-hmm. I also 354. Think, it's true. I also think David Johnson will see fewer touches simply because spreading the ball around will make the Cardinals' offense harder to defend. I mean, I think right. part of the reason he saw those that number of touches is because after a while – he was all they had. They had to do it. They had to do it, and yeah, I, think, they yeah, I think they were also chasing records and stuff. They yeah. were pretty open about. Well, I mean, too. by the end, once by they the were end, out of playoff yeah, contention, yeah. everything. Yeah, you might as well just go feed your guy and see what he can do. But I think you know, all things being equal, with this team being trying to be competitive once again, right? You're going to see, you know, more hopefully more John Brown, more JJ Nelson, you know, more of these guys getting involved, which means fewer touches for David Johnson. The the big concern for me with David Johnson and all of these next four or five running backs that we're going to talk about is is injury. Yeah. And we saw David Johnson, Zeke, uh, Le'Veon Bell, DeMarco Murray, and Todd Gurley all finished with more than 320 touches, and none of them missed a game. Yeah, that's insane. That's pretty crazy, you know, and I wrote about zero RB and, like, why this was such a strange year for wide receiver scoring and strange year for running back scoring. The biggest thing was like wide receivers had a really epidemic year of injuries and running backs ticked up just a little bit, but we just saw all of these guys go berserk and all of them not miss any games. So that was shocking and it wouldn't be surprising if he's going to approach that much workload next year. Like, and the crazy part is we saw it in week 17, you know, he, yeah, he, he, got, had, hurt. he got hurt. Right. And and we saw that with uh, with Le'Veon Bell in the playoffs, and like fantasy owners won't remember that because they stopped caring a week sixteen. But <laughs> <laughs> those things did happen. Those touches sure. do add up. All right, so I I, I won't I, I love David Johnson, absolutely love him. If you guys remember at the end of last year, I was like, this guy to me is a top three pick. Um, and this was before I looked at any data. It's fine. I just I just love the kid, right? Yeah. And you were dead right. And I just was so, – but going into next year, I again, I'm just saying I love him. I'm just extremely worried. That's all I'll say. All right, how about Zeke Elliott? Uh, 1,600 rush yards, 365 receiving yards. Uh, what is that, 1,900? Uh, almost uh, almost 2,000. Almost 2,000. I think he's just shy of 2,000. Uh, 16 total touchdowns, 15 on the ground, one through the air, 293 total fantasy points. Played 15 games, sat out voluntarily in Week 17. Uh, 5.1 yards per carry as a rookie. Pretty darn good. Uh, carried the Rock 322 times, the most in the NFL. Also had 32 receptions. Okay, uh, projecting him out for next year, gentlemen. Alex Gelhar, we'll start with you. I mean, it's he's probably gonna he'll regress just a touch because you know it's, his touchdown totals are very high. But I think he's gonna he might morph into that Adrian Peterson kind of mold earlier in his career, where you can basically just check him off for eleven hundred plus yards and ten plus touchdowns. I don't think there's gonna be any regression at all. I mean, the fifteen touchdowns sounds like a lot, but is it? I mean, historically, is it that much though? It's quite high. It's quite high for what we've seen of running recently. That's what, I mean, I'm not saying he's going to drop off tremendously, but yeah. that's why you'll take him as a top three pick because you're yep. pr- pretty much guaranteed, you know, like I said, 1,112. He I might mean, be my number one guy. I was going to say, yeah, I was actually just going to say that. He might be my number one guy. You're not worried about the, the passing production? Right. That's what that's what concerns me more than anything is the fact that when the Cowboys needed to move the ball quickly down the field. It was Lance Dunbar. It was Lance Dunbar. Yeah, but how much did Dunbar really play, like, actual snap count was. Still t- took Zeke off the field. I get it, but at the same time, I think like he's the youngest, he's in the best situation of all of these guys. He yep. has the least red flags. Yep. I love I him. I don't know. He's my number one. He was, yeah. 
He might just be my number one just for the hell of it. I mean, All like right. I said, I'm not I'm not going to get into a, a contentious <laughs> debate about breaking ties between these guys, but I think, like you said, you oh, pretty you much say that now. Wait till July and August happens. Wait till your mentions are flooded in now, July and August. Now <laughs> is my this is my promise to you right now. Okay. <laughs> I will to all the listeners and to you guys. I will not have some faux de- hot really preference for these next three goes, for these three guys. Goes to Twitter.com. <laughs> I am not going to falsify. Creates fake accounts. I am not going to falsify. Matt Harmon. I am not going to falsibly uh, make up some that debate that like, here's why I have a really strong opinion about why no. Zeke over, over Le'Veon. Huge drop off from number two to number three. Shady McCoy, your RB3 this year, 1267 on the ground, 356 through the air, 13 rushing touchdowns, just one receiving touchdown, which I thought to be a little bit odd. But we go from 293 for Zeke to 248 points for Shady McCoy. Played 15 games, 5.4 yards per carry. I believe that's a, a career high for him. But it, regardless, it was the first time above 4.5 yards per carry since 2013. He carried the Rock 234 times, had 50 receptions. He turns 29 next year. Shady McCoy, are you fading away? Is he a first-round draft pick next year, Matt Harmon? I don't, probably not. I think that, listen, we're talking all these these guys, you know, should go number one or whatever. I don't even care if you take a receiver over one of these three guys. Maybe wow. You can easily see that position correct to, yeah, to the mean true. more this year and see any of these guys fall off. So I would consider probably about three to four wide receivers before I'd consider McCoy in the first round. And like I said, you want to throw one of the top guys into that mix Next year with the three running backs, be my guest. Okay. Le'Veon Bell, 1268 on the ground, 616 through the air. Uh, tremendous production. We're talking nearly uh, 1,900 yards on just 12 games. Had uh, nine total touchdowns, 242 fantasy points, 4.9 yards per carry, uh, 261 carries, 75 receptions in just 12 games. This guy's workload was Massive, uh, and we saw in the playoffs and in the last week of the regular season, Le'Veon Bell be kind of dinged up. Um, I, I think this is going to be a guy to me that is very interesting and probably a polarizing character uh, in the fantasy community because you kind of figure he's going to go in the top five, Alex Kelhar, but a lot of red flags. I, I'm not too concerned about the red flags. I mean, as, as long as the contract situation works out, whether he gets tagged or whatnot, and there's no suspensions. Yeah. Like, I, I think he's a locked and loaded top three pick, maybe even my number one, just because of how important he is to that offense. And when we were talking about how Zeke has a great situation, so too does the Shady. His offensive line is in pretty good shape. He's got, well, unless he retires, uh, an amazing quarterback <laughs> under center as well. One of the best wide receivers in the game out wide. Should be getting back Martavis Bryant. Like, yeah. I, I don't see any I don't see any concerns right now other than the same concerns for everybody like well unless he gets injured or unless yeah but he has an injury history though i think that's the number one thing yeah i don't know i still i i think i think the argument or the discussion for most of the summer is going to be who should be the number one out of the three of david johnson zeke and love bell and and i think i think that's going to that's going to be the the merry-go-round we play um fun with that yeah look i i personally i feel like lev bell is my number one but I don't again I, I'm not going to chastise anybody who has a different opinion yeah. on that. Okay. DeMarco Murray, twelve eighty seven on the ground, three seventy seven through the air, twelve total touchdowns, two hundred forty fantasy points. He played all sixteen games. I was surprised by that. I thought he sat out a game or two. Four point four yards per carry, two hundred and ninety three carries, fifty three receptions. He turns twenty nine as well. Marcus Grant, your thoughts on DeMarco Murray this year and going into next year? This year was, I think, it caught us all by surprise. Oh, I mean, hell yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, yes. I mean, he looked washed in Philadelphia, and it just was like, you're going to Tennessee, this exotic smash mouth, like, I don't know what this is going to be. Um, He played extremely well. I mean, there's just no way around it. My only concern with DeMarco is how much – do the Titans start to try to work in Derrick Henry next year? And I think we started to see some of that later in the years. They wanted to give DeMarco some rest, not get him too beat up. Um, 
But, I mean, Derrick Henry is a huge back. I mean, just physically enormous bruising back. And you wonder how much they're going to start to work him in. But I, I don't know that I'd have a problem taking a shot at DeMarco late second, early third round. And yeah, he's going to fall you know, down there for sure. You know, I think he'll probably be around there. And, you know, in that range, I have no problem at all taking DeMarco Murray. Three feels about right. Yeah. yeah, I think so. I think you're about right. Although, depending on how much we hear about Derrick Henry, maybe he falls even more. Of course. Uh, Devontae Freeman, uh, one se- excuse me, 1,079 rushing yards, 462 receiving yards, so about 1,500 total yards, uh, 13 total touchdowns. Believe it or not, he only had two receiving touchdowns, which I, I thought to be pretty surprising. Played all 16 games, 4.8 yards per carry, which, again, is actually really good for him. Uh, 227 carries and 54 receptions. So he had about uh, 260-ish total touches. But uh, Devontae Freeman, Matt Harmon, your takeaways from 2016, and, and what do we use uh, that? how do we use that info looking at 2017? It looks like he had just three games of under eight points. Dude, he was so good again. Yeah. I was happy to see that with him. Me, me too, because he was, you know, obviously talked about, like, wanted to load up on wide receivers early, but he was one, especially when he started falling to the second round, that I was, like, he could be your sort of anchor running back with a bunch of stud receivers around him. I mean, Freeman is awesome. He's a great player. He's in a great offense. I think the one question that we have to have with all of these Falcons is, does that offense become the next greatest show on turf, or does it take a big step back next year? As we talked about last episode, they scored 71 more points than any other team in the NFL. Right. Uh, That's a lot to lose. And how much of that – Impact is impacted by Kyle Shanahan potentially not being there. Right, there's that as well. Right, so there's a, there's some questions about Freeman, but I think like as far as a second round pick goes at the running back position, he's as he's as pretty good as you can feel about anybody. Love yeah. love him there. And of course, there's going to be that whole Tammy Coleman conversation as well this off season as we saw coming into this season as well. But we'll see. Coleman's interesting with with Shanahan gone because they used him so well as someone to attack like teams inside linebackers in pass coverage. They used him yep. really well as almost like as a big play threat. And he became a movable chess piece yeah. for them. And he caught two passes as a rookie. Yep. So they really took a big step in that fashion this year as compared to his uh, his rookie year. And I wonder if the next offensive coordinator leaves those same wrinkles in the game plan. That's true. The creativity from Kyle Shanahan there was uh, was pretty special uh, this year. All right, LeGarrette Blunt, 1161 on the ground, just 38 receiving yards, 18 total touchdowns, all of them on the ground. Um, this guy was unbelievable. 16 games, uh, the, the yards per carry obviously not there, but he had a lot of short yardage situations, 3.9 yards per carry, 299 carries, second most in the NFL. He had just seven receptions. He's 30 years old, uh, will be 30 years old. He's a free going, agent too. Uh, will be a free agent. He's going to be 30 years old going into next season. There's so many question marks. I was going to say, I love LeGarrette Blunt, but – ask you guys like what the hell do you do i don't know <laughs> supposing he comes back to new because he's a free agent but i mean he's been pretty much just a guy basically and even a, a troublemaker in every other spot yeah besides new england and i think he knows that too so you'd imagine that he, he comes back early right now i would say i kind of like him maybe in the range we took guys like jeremy hill and melvin gordon and demarco this year so that's kind of like in that, six. Yeah, like five to seven. Give that like a nebulous range because I don't want to sink one of those earlier round picks in him because so much could go could go wrong. Like Deion Lewis, another year healthier, could come right. back in. He could, you know, only score ten touchdowns, which would still be great, but his his rushing total could drop. But like And what we've seen from Belichick too is that he ver- definitely views this position as a fungible. replaceable fungible yes. replaceable piece. So uh, that's inter- Where's Chip Kelly going? That's my question. <laughs> he might. Where's Chip Kelly going? He might because- end up in New England. Oh, that like a, even though McDaniel's didn't leave, there's was at least some talk that he's going to join them as you know some sort of offensive. Which I think is a great fit for. Kelly. Let's say he goes down to Jacksonville. He's not going to. <laughs> they've already they've already kept. Uh, they're just trying to move Chris Ivory out, aren't you? You're just trying to make Chris Ivory be not a thing. Obviously, they're kind. Of, they're going to more keep, more TJ Yellen. They're keeping yeah. Nathaniel Hackett there, though. By the way. Oh, that's terrible. Um, I don't think it's that bad, but whatever. Okay. All right. Anyways, I, I just want to see where Chip Kelly goes. Maybe he gets re, uh, reunited with uh, LeGarrette Blunt. Jets are looking for an OC still, right? We'll see. I don't know. We'll see. All right, Melvin so. Gordon. Go ahead. 
Uh, Melvin Gordon, 997 on the ground. Four, Poor guy. I know. Three short of Come a thousand. Come on. Uh, 419 receiving, 10 rushing touchdowns, two receiving touchdowns as well. Uh, had a pretty good season. Played 13 games, 3.9 yards per carry, which is concerning. Uh, 354 rushes, uh, carries, and 41 receptions. He actually had a pretty darn high usage rate uh, considering he only played 13 games. He got, what, uh, almost 300 total touchdowns. He had he averaged 22.7 touches per game, I that's think. That's craziness. That's a lot. Uh, that's a lot. Uh, Melvin Gordon, of course, I'm going to go to the Melvin Gordon truther. MG, my guy, Marcus Grant, talking about MG, his guy, Melvin Gordon. Yeah, I, I think my big concern with Melvin Gordon this year is what happens to his role in the offense when everyone is healthy in San Diego. Um, for as as productive as he was, especially for fantasy, a lot of it is owed, in a lot of ways, unfortunately, to you know Keenan Allen getting hurt and Danny Woodhead especially getting hurt had a lot to do with it. Um, now you've got a new coaching staff. You are, in theory, going to have all those guys healthy. Uh, keep in mind, they suddenly have a very loaded wide receiving core between Keenan yeah. Allen, uh, you know, Tyra Williams, Dontrell Inman, Travis, Travis, Benjamin. Travis Benjamin. They got Hunter Henry at the tight end spot. Maybe Antonio Gates, I guess, comes potentially comes Sounds back. Sounds like he's coming back. Um, that's a, that's a, a really good There's group. a lot of mouths to feed suddenly in that offense, and it, it does make me a little bit wary of Melvin Gordon and, and how much opportunity he's going to get. He was very good this year. I just – Right now, as the way things sit, I struggle to imagine he's going to produce at a similar level well, next year. On the plus side, Danny Woodhead is in his 30s and he's a free agent. So back. he's probably not coming back. He's probably not coming back. He's probably not coming back. And I think that I think that should keep his workload relatively safe. Maybe he'll see a little dip in the reception totals, but he was a, he was workforce and he played really well for them he this year. He played very well, no doubt. Yeah, the yards no per doubt. carry doesn't really concern me all that much. Not at no? all. Because he had, Not he was all. fourth in the NFL in red zone carries. And and he didn't even play, you know, a full season obviously. So he, I, that will bring your yards per carry down a lot. I thought he looked good. You know, they don't have a great offensive line, so I wouldn't put well, that a lot. And on. the offensive line had to get shuffled around a lot this yeah. year. Like last year, they constantly were having to move pieces around and stuff, so there was right. no continuity. Whereas you look at somebody like Zeke, and the same guys there basically the entire year to run between. It's true. You know, Gordon's looking at somebody at right guard. Next game, they're playing left guard. Next game, they're playing center. Like, yeah. tackles were in and out. Plus, so yards per carry is uh, is one of the – least correlated year-to-year consistent statistics. I mean, look at any any number of examples of player, but I mean, the easy one is Todd Gurley. Like, goes from over five or to below four. So, I mean, that like it can bounce around year to year. So, what was Todd Gurley like? Three point two or something? It was. It like, was. It was pretty it was, horrific. It was awful. Yeah. One of the worst. But hey, speaking of Todd Gurley, you know, it's good. The city of Los Angeles finally has a exciting, young, productive running back in it. Oh <laughs> man! Why would you do that? Sorry, uh, that, I stole that joke from our friend Eric Stoner. So blame him. <laughs> I mean, Ronald Jones, the you know doing doing big things at USC. What are you talking? Well, about? Joe. I mean, in the professional league. Uh, gotcha. Uh, USC is professional, right? Wow. I mean, they share a stadium with a professional football uh, team. Wow. So then uh, again, so do the LA Galaxy now. Uh, Jordan Howard. <laughs> <laughs> football and football. Football. Uh, Jordan Howard, 13-13 rushing, 298 receiving, six rushing touchdowns, one receiving touchdown. I couldn't believe jo- – I could not believe Jordan Howard was your running back nine – this year. I want to jump in on this one quick because I liked Jordan Howard coming out of college, but it was a case where like he was always very good. Like he didn't have a ton of super splash plays. And he I honestly none. Kind of, I kind of feel like that's how he was here too. Like you would just be like, "Man, did Jordan Howard rip off like a 60-yard run or something?" Nope. Nope. Just like he'd have a 10-yard run, a 4-yard run, like a 12-yard run. He was just so consistently good though, which I think is a good sign for him moving forward in that offense that was Can all over the place last year. You guys legitimately remember one a Jordan Howard highlight from this year. Mm. He had a big catch and run, didn't he? Against like the on, Vikings. on Thursday Night Football? Yeah. That, that's the play. It's Monday Night Football. No, he had Which a, actually sort of almost proves James's point, though. I mean, yeah, no, I, I don't. I think that is, a, that is a great point. All these other guys, I remember, don't plays. Yeah. All over the place. But he was just so consistently good. And what did he have? What was his streak? I'm trying to look it up. Games with like 90-plus scrimmage yards. One, two, yeah, pretty good. three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine straight games with 90-plus scrimmage yards to end the year. Like, that is very, very good. I yeah. thought I thought evaluating him, watching his game tape coming out of college, I just thought those vanilla plays would turn into negative plays. But they didn't at but this level. But they didn't. And 
a lot of people shared that sentiment, and there was nothing really in his uh, in his workout from the NFL com from his from the combine, or really even like his college profile from a production standpoint that really would have pointed to this like sleeping superstar. Really, I think the only evaluator that I can remember being high on him was Lance Zierlein, our colleague here, compared him to Arian Foster, and I remember yeah. back then I was like, that's nuts. Yeah, he, he had a, a really of, high grade on him too. Yeah, I remember. I think he was his second. He might have been his second or third rated back, something like that. But you know, uh, it was a great thing. Now for me. Jordan Howard next year is all going to come down to price. Like, where are you going to have to draft him? Because I've even heard some people say, like, he could be a back end of the first-round pick. Count me out on that. Uh, because this Bears offense is probably going to be awful. <laughs> they don't have – they're probably <laughs> going to take – Quarterback. Probably going to take a quarterback at three. It's true. Or try to. Yeah. Their, their offensive line has, has some guys coming back, but it's still questionable. Alshon Jeffrey's probably out the door despite promising that they're going to win a Super Bowl next year, which is weird to me. Uh, so, I mean, Cameron Meredith is going to be their number one receiver. Oh. I like Cameron Meredith, but holy hell, there's not a lot of talent on that offense. Cameron, I mean, are you, uh, you're, just, you're, just, you're just not going to mention Reuben Randall, huh? <laughs> they did sign Reuben Randall, so they are making <laughs> contingency plans if Alshon does leave. But, I mean, get, oh that, that, that screams exactly what we saw with Todd Gurley last year. And, you know – Obviously, Todd Gurley is a greater individual. Um, real quick, Howard. just went back to look out of curiosity. Jordan Howard had – Lance Zerline had Jordan Howard and Derrick Henry with a 6.1 grade, wow. trailing only Ezekiel Elliott, who That's had right. seven. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Uh, he played 15 games, Jordan Howard did. 5.2 yards per carry. Talking about just being able to grind out yards. I mean, he did a very good job this year. Uh, 252 carries, so it wasn't a small sample size. Uh, keep in mind, he had 252 carries – but in his first two games, he had 12 carries total. Yep. So 240 carries over his last 13 games. They used him a lot. It's great, yeah. Uh, Mark Ingram. But Jordan Howard, you're running back nine this year, which is nutty. I got to go back and watch more tape on him, man. I just, I don't know. I'm torn. I don't, I don't know where the hell, what the hell. I, I like him. Matt's exactly right, though. It's all going to come down to price. Yeah. All right. Uh, you're running back 10 this year. Mark Ingram. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was he on pace for, James? Read it like you mean how it. Many, how many yards did he have? Go on, uh, say it with uh, your chest. Yeah, he, had a, uh, he had over 1,000. <laughs> over 1,000. Uh, 1,043 uh, rush yards. Uh, just snuck in there. 1,043. Good for boom. him. Boom. 319 through the air as well. <laughs> Six touchdowns on the ground. Four touchdowns receiving. Ten total. 196 in terms of fantasy points, 16 games played, 5.1 yards per carry, 205 carries, and 46 receptions as well. Let's take a look back at 2016. Uh, Marcus Grant, and uh, I guess project him out for 2017 as well. Uh, look, who knows? I mean, that's kind of the short answer because – who really knows? I mean, he did just – he barely snuck in to get to 1,000 yards. Were you impressed by his 2016? Um, At times. At times, he was kind of a non-factor in the offense. I mean, they really did a lot at the running back spot. We saw a lot of Tim Hightower, obviously. Late in the year, we started seeing more Traveris Cadet yeah. getting run in there. And, you know, it's just – What an up-and-down year for Mark Ingram, right? It is. It's just – it's so hard to really project any Saints – skill position players. I mean, I think now we, we have a good handle on Michael Thomas because of what he did this past year. Right. But beyond that, because they spread the ball around so much and because Sean Payton and that offense is so uh, insistent on just rotating personnel to make them harder to defend, uh, it's just really, really hard to project. So for Mark Ingram, he could have another year like this one where he kind of you know flirts with 1,000 yards. He could go back to being you know a seven 800-yard running back again this year. Uh, just outside the top 10, Jay Ajayi at 11, Frank Gore at 12, Latavius Murray at 13, Isaiah Crowell at 14, and Carlos Hyde at 15. Alex Gelhart of that gross group, do you like any of them to potentially? <laughs> potentially <laughs> savage. Uh, come on, that is a gross group. Is come it on, not? Carlos Hyde. How dare you disrespect Jay Ajayi? Jay Ajayi would be the one I would expect. I mean, Gore, love the man. He's an amazing football player, but, like, is he going to come back? What's he going to do? Like, there's so many questions there. Ajayi would be the one to me that makes the most sense to go in there. Latavius is a free agent, and they have to, like, I know the Raiders had a lot of success with him uh, when they actually did give him the ball more. There's some, you know, one of those obviously, like, silly stats where, like, oh, they win X amount of games when he has, you know, Y amount of touches. Wonder why that is. I know, exactly. (laughs) 
<laughs> but he's he's an interesting one to me because they got so much production out of Richard and Washington. So curious to see there. But when but, Latavius was gone, the offense looked garbo. They still had some success without him. I think they were fine, but I I just thought there was so much better balance when Latavius was in there. Yeah, he gives uh, them like a, a grinded out. Yeah, agree. Feel that they don't have. On offense. Uh, but Ajay would be the one that I could see jumping in there. Okay. Hyde, we need to see what happens on the rest of that offense. Can I make an argument? I mean, Hell I would agree yeah. with Ajay, but Let's can go. I make an argument for one Isaiah Crowell? Please. Ooh. Uh, Crowell, I thought, played awesome this year, despite you know middling statistics, because the problem with the Browns was, for, obviously they had offensive line issues coming into the year because they lost two players in free agency in Alex Mack and Mitchell Schwartz. Right. Uh, Both of them are great. Went great and went on to have success with playoff teams. So, right. you know, good on them. One of them is going to the Super Bowl next week, yep. uh, so I've heard. Um, and Crowell, though, to his credit, like, uh, and not only that, I'm sorry I got off track, but not only that, like, they lost Joel Petonio in the middle of the year. He's a great guard, too. Uh, they picked point. a second-round pick the year before. Crow, I thought, still played really well. The problem with the Browns, of course, the offensive line, and they were losing all the time. They were 29th in run play percentage last right. year, which is very contrary to what Hugh Jackson wants to do as a play caller. There was a, you know, they they've already talked contract extension with him. Uh, just they hit a little bit of a snag. I think Ian Rapport said that, but like we'll see. They're going to meet again. I think he could be the centerpiece of their offense next year. And if they're even just a little bit better and they can run the ball more, he should get more opportunity. He did kind of have like a swing to his season where he yeah. started out really hot, yeah, and then as things went south for them, he dipped down a lot. And then he came back strong at the end, I think, as they kind of got back to what they wanted to do. Okay. Yeah, their their run play percentage boosted up inside the top uh, 15 there when they were winning more games towards the end of the year at 42% of their plays. So I think that's the script that they ought to be on. All right, there were your top 15-ish running backs for 2016. Obviously, the debate will rage on this offseason. I'm looking forward to it. I love uh, talking about running backs just because there's so much game tape and so many hot takes. On running back. So much chaos at the I know, position. I know, and I love it. Uh, so, of course, we're going to be talking about it. Next week, we shall uh, dive deep into the wide receiver position. We'll take a look at the top ten there. But let's go into your daily daps. Extra, extra, read all about it. This is the day. Daps and hooks. Give me daps because I'll be scribbling right. Give me dabbing up daps about daps and hooks. All right, daily dap time. We go to MG, my guy, Marcus Grant. What you got? Uh, I want to daily dap Brent Musburger, uh, who announced that he is retiring after nearly 50 years yeah. uh, of play-by-play. Uh, with, I think the end of the month, uh, January 31st, I believe it's... Uh, you are correct. Georgia, Kentucky, I believe is his last broadcast. Um, wow. You know, as somebody who had a fair-to-middling play-by-play career, um, you know, it's, it's amazing, and... There were so many big games where Brent's voice was there. Also, fun fact: yeah. uh, part part of why you know my friends and I enjoyed listening to Brent Musburger. Uh, same with Al Michaels, or for the the just unadulterated gambling references <laughs> that he would make. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> um, What's this G word you speak of? But, but fun, fun fact about that, because you know one of Brent's signature lines was always, "You are looking live at you know whatever stadium or whatever they were you know the shot was from." The reason that he did that was for gamblers because way back in the day, you know, for pregame shows and what have you, it would never be live shots of stadiums. It would just be generic static shots. I see. So a lot of times you might get a generic static shot of, say, Lambeau Field uh-huh. on a sunny day when in reality it was cold and snowing and windy. I see. So for Britt to say you are looking live at a particular shot, gave the gamblers out there an idea of what the weather conditions were in case they wanted to change their wagers. Interesting. I like it. Okay, That's a great little fun fact. Uh, Alex (laughs) Gellhart. Fun fact, too. uh, This will be Marcus Grant's last podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Alex Gellhart, what do you got? Uh, I'm going to daily dab the Vasquez Rocks Natural Park area. It's a state park near Santa Clarita, California. My family and I went there to do some hiking on uh, Saturday before going to Santa Clarita and drinking some beer and wine at local establishments there. But uh, it's a really cool park. They have a section called the Famous Rocks where there have been tons of movies shot there with the rocks, like westerns, more modern things, and stuff like that. If you were to Google Vasquez Rocks Natural Park Area, uh, you'd find probably a list of all the films and stuff my mom had. And then as an addendum to that, I want to daily dap the Twitter accounts of national parks all across the country because yesterday there were some regulations slapped on them for not being able to tweet 
facts and science and things, and uh, a number of them stood up, whether or not they were actually rogue people, quote-unquote, who still had access to the accounts, <laughs> or were some, you know, inspired employees there. I thought it was pretty awesome that, uh, you know, sometimes the, the unlikeliest heroes we may need come up from the unlikeliest spots, and that was the National Park's Twitter accounts yesterday. Jeez. Uh, yeah, what a weird story that is. Uh, Matt Harmon, give me a daily dap. Yeah, so I'm going to daily dap. Uh, I meant to do this up top, but I forgot. Uh, I'm going to daily dap. Uh, you got too wrapped up in yourself, and you're like, oh, wow, I'm going first. Uh. <laughs> Damn it, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, every day we got to work to be uh, work to be a better person. Oh, boy. Um, and just me especially. Uh, but I daily dap to uh, listener Chris Allen, who sent us all really great gifts, uh, along with the story. And well, we'll talk about the story here because it's his story to tell, not ours, but he sent it, sent along uh, all a bunch of beer glasses from oh. his uh, buddy's uh, home brewing company, and it's really cool. Good story with it. Like I said, Chris is a loyal listener. He was in the Bearded League, and uh, we talked back and forth sometimes oh, good. too. So good guy, really great gift. Appreciate it, man. And just, again, d- extend that dab to all the people, as we always should, to what all was, the people that put up with it. Yeah, and what was the well, – we'll give the, his friend's brewing company a little shout-out. It was Homebrew Your Own Beer, H- right? H-B-Y-O-B. Yeah, yes. Homebrew Your is, Own Beer. Which is a H-B-Y-O-B. That's B-Y-O-B with an H in front of it. Yeah, it's good. It's a clever name. So you can check it out. Uh, search for that online for some items and tips and stuff like that for brewing your own beer. I sure. like it. Very, I've got two cool. daily daps. One is going to go to Cal AD Mike Williams, who – uh, ballsy move, fired Sonny Dykes super late in the process, which I'm down with, 100% down. I was doing I was doing fist pumps like Jersey Shore when I when I read that on <laughs> uh, when I read that on Twitter. But uh, Jersey Shore reference in 2017, <laughs> great. Okay, I'm a dad. Stop it. All right, who cares? Uh, so yes, I was doing Jersey Shore fist pumps. Whatever. Do GTL with Baby Co on your off days too. <laughs> Oh, my God. Please, let us not. GTL, baby. GTL. Um, For the record, I have never watched a second of that television program, and I will not in my entire life. Not a second? Oh, you've missed out. Nope. Uh, You haven't missed out, but I did did watch the- uh, Season one? Season one, the first couple episodes, because I was a freshman then. It was a big, like- thing there, but that was back during Gelhar's real pretentious phase. So no, sure. it wasn't. Yes. I, had, I had graduated from my super end of high school pretension at that point. Oh. I can't keep track of when you're super pretentious. Well, you're still in yours, so it happened. Uh, I am not. What are you talking oh. about? <laughs> that is, that is horse burn. That is not true. Oh, burn. That is, cr- that's Look at him. He's so shook. <laughs> I'm shook right now. I am I, red in the James. face. I am not pretentious. Uh, I'm a man of the people. I love the hire of Justin Wilcox, and I love the fact that they then went and go uh, went to go get two different head coaches to man the coordinator positions. They got the head coach of Eastern Washington to be their OC. They got the former head coach of Fresno State to be their DC. I like where the program is moving, and a lot of that has to do with Mike Williams taking the reign there uh, as your AD at USC. I or excuse me at Cal and doing um, and doing a terrific job there. I will also daily dap the FSWA. I can't believe you guys didn't talk about this yet. The fact oh. that the Fantasy Hipsters nominated for what is it? Uh, best, video best video award by the Fantasy Sports Writers Association. Um, can we get a quick story on that? That's pretty cool. I didn't know that. I don't know. I just uh, basically what happens is the yeah. one that submitted it. Oh, yeah. did he? Yeah. See, I didn't know. I didn't. I have no background yeah, you, info you, on this. You submit videos or articles or whatever, and then, and uh, then they get nominated. They get nominated. Or so not. you're one of three finalists. Yes. Yes. I think the so. fantasy hipster segment that was on Fantasy and Friends on NFL Network. For those of you who don't know, uh, you could also follow uh, Franchise and Matt Harmon on Facebook. They post those videos there, um, and, and and they're really funny. Yeah, it's it's a good remind. I think I'm pretty sure that the one that got submitted was the uh, was the Tom Brady one too, where we were wrong as hell. <laughs> so that just goes to show you, it's all about being entertaining. Not being that's right. great. Well, I mean, the information is is good, and it's always interesting to me. It's it's how it's the delivery system. Yeah. Of that info. <laughs> that's what was so great about it. Right. It's and for those of it's you who fun. haven't seen Fantasy Hipsters, it's it's stupid. It's very stupid. It's so stupid. But in the best way. Yes. Oh, absolutely. In oh, the yeah. best way. Uh, they, they sit in some fake coffee shop and they have like organic, you know, pour over coffee and, and they make fun of David Amashek. This is the best part. It's great. That's what I made sure when, when we got And MJD and uh, Antonio Cromartie. <laughs> <laughs> the 
anybody, anybody that's near. The yeah. Fantasy and Friends set was not a safe space when the hipsters were on it. Let's no. just put it that the way. The, the best. <laughs> I, that's why I made sure on Roasted Twitter. people. Yeah, that's why I made sure on Twitter, like, you know, thanks, everybody, for the congrats on the nomination, yada, yada. But we have to extend uh, our, th- our thank yous to Dave Damashek and Maurice Jones-Drew as well because – Without a dad to beat up on, yeah, the segment's just not the same. And True. the fact that they were, the fact that Maurice Jones Drew too was was open to being roasted like that on a week to week. I have to say, you know, was he, was, was he really open to it, or did you just roast him? <laughs> oh no, no, he he was open. That's, I was going to say that hey, there's there's plenty plenty you can say about Maurice for sure. But like one thing that's cool about him is he is very open to like. I, I told him I was going to call him a C-list celebrity on the last shot, and that is, like, that's funny. Do that. That is. So dope. he's pretty good. He's pretty good about that. Uh, which, he's one of the best trash talkers in the business, by the way. And he likes it when you like. He's there are plenty of people, maybe even you know highfalutin, you know rich people or whatever that don't like it when they will trash talk you, but don't like it when you give it back to them. But he's pretty good about wanting you to give it back. To right, right, right. Uh, I have to squeeze in one more dap that I completely forgot about when you were homering up and talking about Cal moves. Yes, Marquette unranked upset yeah. Villanova last yeah. night in yeah. basketball. That's right. Storm the court. Number one, yeah. in the, number one in the nation. Number right? one in the nation. I believe wow. per, uh, I think it was Journal Sentinel, said that that was the first time Marquette had upset uh, in the regular season the number one AP ranked team. Ooh. So it was pretty cool. All right. Pretty exciting for, mm. for Marquette there. That is dope. They like, It's like a 15-point comeback in the final five minutes, I think, to win. Oh, really? Yeah, they were getting smacked for a while. So I wasn't watching as much. I was like, yep, this is going as expected. Hell yeah. <laughs> so there you go. All right, so that's your show for Alex Gelhar, the WizKid from Wisconsin. MG Mike on Marcus Grant. Matt Harmon. Matt Franchise, who is here in, in spirit. spirit. I am James Coe. We'll catch you later. See you later. Endless screaming just popped up on my timeline, so that's a fitting. It's so perfect. It, All it, I it, said it was, never doesn't work. In jest to Harmon, since when we the mics are typically on, he usually tries to come in with some sort of bit here. <coughs> uh, I was like, why don't you? You know, we're recording all of this, so why don't you hop on? I don't do any bits. I'm, I'm just always me. <laughs> you don't do bits. Wow. James, we're going to need to cut up with all of Harmon's pre-show I'm gonna, bits. All of his bits? I'm going to slide away so I don't get struck by lightning. <laughs> what do you mean? I'm, these I don't bits. have bits. These aren't bits. This is just me. Yep. Okay. Coming in before the podcast, I'm going to talk the entire show in my NPR voice. <laughs> right. I mean, seriously. If you're, not, if you're not doing bits, then you're doing takes. I mean, that's that's all it is. Oh, that's unfair. <laughs> instead of that's unfair. Instead of boats and hoes, it's bits and takes. That <laughs> <laughs> should be a shirt. <laughs> you go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower. 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.